the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Tired of the negative news and flashover substance? It's time for Today with Dr. Wendy. Dr. Wendy Patrick is a trial attorney, patriot, and PhD with a passion for people and a penchant for politics. Dr. Wendy brings you the headlines, streamlined news you can use. It's time to be informed, engaged, and entertained. Now, here's your host, Dr. Wendy Patrick. Good evening and welcome to another edition of Today with Dr. Wendy. I'm Wendy Patrick and my co-host Larry Dersham and I have a wonderful show for you as always. Larry, who is our first guest tonight? Uh, Daniel Greenfield is a reporter at the David Horowitz Freedom Center and an expert on Islamic terrorism and Israel. And he's also an investigative journalist at FrontPageMag.com. So thank you for joining us on the program tonight, Daniel. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Daniel, I've read that you were actually born in Israel. Can you tell us a little bit about what led you to call the United States your home sweet home? Well, uh, I, I came here when I was six years old, but I certainly am very, very happy to have grown up uh, in the United States to be an American. Great. Uh, We're going to be talking tonight about the uh, universities and colleges in the United States and what is happening to them that I think pretty much everybody that's paying attention has observed. So I've read, uh, Daniel, that college students at Harvard, Yale, Stanford, and Princeton, for example, and many others are taught that the American people are racist and evil. And many of these kids, these students, are turning against their country and siding with our enemies. For example, the Chinese uh, communists. Is this really happening? Absolutely. The Confucius Institutes, which are Chinese communist-controlled, had a presence on nearly every campus until the Trump administration began cracking down. And, you know, far beyond that, uh, the teaching of American history tends to be from the perspective that America's a racist country, that it was built on slavery, that it was built on oppression, that still is suffering from systemic racism. Uh, this is something you encounter in colleges. Unfortunately, you encounter it in high schools. Now, sometimes you even encounter it in schools. That's part of what the controversy in Florida is about. They want to present a version of American history in which America is evil. And, you know, if America is evil, then why would you side with it? Why would you defend it? Military recruitment has dropped uh, very, very poorly. And part of the reason is that students indeed feel no incentive whatsoever to defend their own country. And that's reflected in polls as well. You know, one of the things that we've all noticed and been commenting on, and you know this better than anyone as an investigative journalist, has been this tendency for divergent views to simply be shouted down on college campuses. There have been some very high-profile incidents, really on both sides of the aisle, where you have protesters um, absolutely not even entertaining the thought of anybody hearing a, a divergent viewpoint. And then at some schools, there's an allegation as to, you know, when administration when administrators get involved, they actually tend to sign with the protesters rather than the issue of free speech. Uh, have you found that that is actually the, the, the problem it is portrayed to be in America today? 
Absolutely. A lot of people probably saw the viral video from Stanford Law where a federal judge appointed yes. by Trump right. was uh, intimidated and shouted down by students and by a, an assistant uh, diversity dean. That is unfortunately not at all unusual. Uh, some, uh, speaking of somebody who has been on campus, uh, it's routine. You not only uh, face intimidation, there are bomb threats, there are people who will shout you down, and the administrators tend to side with them. Uh, one of the th major issues that conservatives have had, that conservative speakers have had, is that uh, universities start demanding large security fees like $23,000 to bring a conservative speaker because conservative speakers are deemed to be controversial, whereas people on the left who bring speakers, well, of course, they don't have to worry about security fees. That's called the heckler's veto, and the heckler's veto reigns supreme with administrative backing on campuses. Oh. That's that's amazing. Uh, Danny, would it be correct to say that the leftists have pretty much infiltrated the um, the teaching staff and even the administration of many of these universities and colleges, and they have a disproportionate presence at these places as compared to the, the you know the corporations and the outside world, and they're shifting the students away from patriotism towards this globalism for example and they're teaching these extreme ideas of sexualizing children to eliminate and even eliminate prisons and so forth uh, to a point where it seems our leaders no longer represent our values american values but only leftist values is that is that what is happening unfortunately we've seen this kind of corrosion of elites when you look at the ivy league schools uh there are very few conservative faculty and almost no incoming conservative faculty. One way they screen out incoming conservative faculty is to make um, them produce diversity statements that are basically recitations of leftist dogma. It's very Maoist. It looks like something out of communist China. And as a result, there's, there's no diversity. Uh, when there have been surveys of departments, uh, the number of conservative faculty in most places are in the single digits. And that's increasingly what we're seeing uh, with the student body. So at Harvard, for example, they found that about only 7% of uh, students coming in were conservative. By the time they were graduating, it was down to 4%. And this is uh, unfortunately not unusual. And these are the future leaders. This is the fu these are the future um, elected officials. These are the future military leaders. These are the future corporate leaders. When people talk about world corporations, well, this is where it's coming from. Uh, the leadership uh, is produced by Ivy League schools, and Ivy League schools are radically, radically, mon politically, monoculturally. Do you see any hope that the pendulum might begin to swing? And one of the things that I obviously always keep my eye on is uh, community safety. For example, you know, remember the summer of 2020, there were all these defund the police movements. Well, that pendulum swung. And even, the, even President Biden in the State of the Union talked about wanting to fund police departments in order to protect communities. Um, is that at all indicative of maybe sort of a broader um, re-examination of whether or not there are not some common sense conservative ideas that both sides of the aisle might get on board with? Uh, there was certainly a huge backlash to police defunding, um, absolutely, because as crime exploded and absolutely exploded after 2020, we had over 5,000 yes. more murders in 2020, uh, which was massive. Uh, People, especially in minority communities, in the black community, absolutely wanted more police. All the politicians who had been talking about police defunding ran the other way for the most part. But, you know, police is just half the picture. The other half of the picture is you actually 
not only arrest the criminals, you actually have to prosecute them. And uh, while there's while police defunding isn't popular, uh, decriminalization, for example, on the books here in uh, California, you still have laws that basically decriminalize shoplifting. Those are still not going anywhere. Uh, criminals are not being arrested. When they're being arrested, they're being pushed into diversion programs. There's still an ongoing push to lower the prison population by a massive amount. Now, when you lower the prison population, this is why we have a massive crime rate, because crimes are being committed by repeat offenders. If you don't lock those people up, then just funding more police doesn't do anything, which is what I've said. Uh, fund the police, great. Fun, uh, reopen the prisons. Fund the prisons. Fund the criminal justice system. That is what is absent. And you have left-wing prosecutors, including those backed by George Soros and Netflix CEO Reed Hastings, who are simply not enforcing, not prosecuting criminals. And the result is that even with police funding, you still have a massive crime wave because if the, the police are just the first step. If you don't actually have prosecutions, if you don't have prisons, then it amounts to nothing. It's interesting. So, Daniel, how do we fix this? Do you think that our only hope of saving these academic institutions of higher learning will be to force them uh, to to change their policies by withholding funding, perhaps, or uh, for their programs and their faculties? They're so well endowed, we like Harvard. Have, yeah. We have to have clear consequences. There's no doubt about that whatsoever. And you have to create accountability. You have to get rid of diversity statements and diversity programs in general. Yeah, you know, um, well, one of the other things I, I think, um, I, and as Larry knows, I'm always a silver lining to the show, is there's always common ground that both conservatives and liberals can get behind. Uh, COVID transparency, by the way, happens to be one of them that's been in the headlines the last couple of days where you had that massive vote um, in Congress where it was unanimous that they want to know the origins of, co- uh, of COVID back in, the, uh, back in China. But are there other issues like that that we can rally around that, you know, maybe might lead both sides to recognize maybe we should have a dialogue here because there's more that unites us than divides us? There, is, there are ways we can do that. We can focus on the problems that people are having. Crime is one example. The quality of education is another. The quality of education has dropped very, very sharply. Um, universities are dismantling standards, and so are schools, and a lot of parents are absolutely not happy about that. That is an area where we can uh, rally people who are sensible on the other side to work together. What's interesting to me, I don't know if you want to go this uh, broad uh, of a topic, but what's behind this whole thing? If you look at everything happening in our society, including the indoctrination in the school system, are we headed towards a one-world government, which would be, in my mind, a communist government? There's certainly plenty on the left for whom this is the big dream, the United uh, World System. Of course, in reality, the vast majority of the world has no interest in being part of such a system. It is a Western leftist dream. And we see the world is actually splintering. It is breaking up. It is moving toward disunity. And uh, in their pursuit of this, they have actually divided the country. They've divided the West. Yeah, well, we're almost at the end of the show, but I just want to thank you for just all the work that you do. I mean, you, your energy level is uh, second to none, and I'm, I'm sure it takes a lot of energy uh, having the kind of job that you do. Where can somebody follow your work? Well, I'm honored to work for David Horowitz at FrontPageMag.com, and thank you so much for a great interview. All right. Thank you so much. And we want to thank our listeners. And to caution you, don't touch that dial. We have another amazing segment when we return. 
You are listening to Today with Dr. Wendy with Wendy Patrick and Larry Gershom, and we will be back in a flash. News cycle lowlights have no place here. You're listening to the headline highlights on Today with Dr. Wendy on The Answer San Diego. It's time for more news you can use. The headlines streamline. It's time for more Today with Dr. Wendy. Now here's your host, Dr. Wendy Patrick. Welcome back to Today with Dr. Wendy. I'm Wendy Patrick and Larry Dersham and I are going to talk about one of somebody's favorite topics, not either of us, but maybe somebody listening, and that's money. We need enough, not too much, but we also don't need too little. And that worry, that concern, that really evergreen concern that many people have, sometimes regardless of how much money they own, is exemplified in bank failures. And we don't, talk, we don't really talk about bank failures. We have been lately because of obviously what happened in Silicon Valley, but you know, before that, most people, the most exposure they ever had personally to a bank failure is watching It's a Wonderful Life every Christmas, where the, uh, the star banker is writing out IOUs for everybody when there's a bank run, a rush on the money. But now we're actually talking about it for real. And, of course, we're talking about the, the failed bank that has been um, in the headlines. And we're also talking about the president's assurances that all that money will be backed up. But, Larry, this has become quite a divisive topic in terms of uh, should companies, for example, because, you know, not everybody has $250,000 sitting around ready to choose a bank to put it in, but should companies be able to willfully invest more than the amount of money that the FDIC will ensure? And if the answer is no, if a bank is winding down because it's failed for whatever reason, should taxpayers even indirectly worrying about having to help foot that bill? That's a great question, Wendy. Uh, You know, this was a fairly large bank, actually. In fact, it's the second largest bank to ever collapse. And uh, of course, back in the 1920s, I used to hear this from my parents. I mean, they were little kids back then, but um, there are so many bank failures back then, but it's kind of a new thing for us. But as far as the insurance goes, yeah, I, it's a good question. You know, on Friday, March 10th, 2023, Silicon Valley Bank also uh, known as the SVB, uh, closed uh, the California Department of Financial Protection and Innovation, uh, appointed a Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation as receiver. Now, this is interesting. We need no advance notice is ever given to the public when a financial institution is closed. So that's a word of caution. Now, for most of us, I think to stay below that FDIC insured amount, you know, make sure you, you don't go over that. Uh, is is wise advice, but apparently a lot of these folks. This was in the you know Santa Clara area, Silicon, what we call Silicon Valley. A lot of these uh, startup high tech companies, they were running their business out of these banks, uh, out of this bank, excuse me. And uh, what's interesting too, you always worry about the domino effect, and uh, it was only so that happened on March tenth. 
uh, you know, this month. And then on March 12th, on a Sunday, banking officials in New York closed the Signature Bank. And so, again, we hope that stops. We hope that the calming words of uh, the Treasury Department and President Biden will make sure this doesn't continue. But my uh, advice would be to, yeah, keep your... uh, dollar amount in each bank below that insured amount so you don't have to worry yeah so contagion is the um the socially acceptable term i guess i don't want to call it a legal term because it's not nor is the term bailout that's also not a legal term it's more political and practical but a couple things you know we always want to think to ourselves you know what, what kind of wisdom can we impart um in making sure that finances are safe so there's a couple of ideas that larry and i have here i mean one of them is if you've got bills that you need you already know you need to pay pay them right away sooner rather than later because what what that does is it depletes your account without you having to worry about standing in line to, to withdraw it because let's face it, we're not going to take out all our money and put it in a mattress somewhere. Um, although there are people looking at some of the weather reports that worry about power outages and think, hey, I might as well have cash on hand to pay at least three months of bills. I don't know whether we're there yet, but I guess it's not a bad idea. you got to hide that stuff very carefully. But a couple of other ideas. And, you know, Larry, I know later on you're going to be talking about gold and silver. And, you know, there, there are other things to invest in that may be um, other possibilities. Uh, the other is, you know, when you look at banks and deciding, you know, which bank to choose, we all know that nobody is too big to fail. That's, that's just a misnomer that has been proven yet again over the years. Um, the, the word diversify is always on our, on our tongues when we're thinking about how to approach, say, financial strategy. But I always say, make friends with a financial advisor. You know, people love discussing their trade. It is amazing the information you can get by somebody that knows who they're talking about. And, you know, whether it's in your, you know, your Rotary Club, your HOA board meeting, whether it's in your neighborhood, there are so many different people that know financial advisors. And, you know, it's, it, some of these solutions are very common sense. It, it is not true, according to the administration, that your money is disappearing or it is going to, to vanish. But it might, there may be a delay, just like in that famous Christmas movie, there may be a delay to get it. So I suppose the bottom line and what's caused this public panic and the contagion effect is everybody thought they have to get it out right away or it's gone forever. I don't know that that's where we are. At least that's not what our government is telling us. Right. Yeah. The, um, you know, bank loans, you deposit your money in a trustworthy business. And when a borrower repays the loan with interest, Viola, the bank makes a profit. But what happens, Wendy, when social justice warriors radically change how banks work? When they give risky loans to unstable businesses because they support leftist causes, that kind of irrational leftist decision making along with holding risky bonds, which they did. They had these uh, long-term bonds that really are dependent on the uh, interest rate uh, that the Federal Reserve sets. Uh, you know, could have led partially to this collapse of the Silicon Valley Bank. Now, the Sil- get this, the Silicon Valley Bank didn't find it important enough to have a chief risk officer. That's true. But they found it important to send a letter to all their stockholders with the 40 mentions of the environmental, social, and governance movement. They're so politically correct, but they weren't financially sound. And that's a really worrisome thing when you're more concerned about that than you are about the soundness of your bank. 
Yeah, you know, one of the things people um, always want to make sure to do, and think about it, Larry, we do this in every other industry. We go online and we research where we're going to buy, where we're going to um, get our uh, medical care from. I mean, there's so many different ways. I don't just mean Yelp. There's Google reviews. There's Amazon reviews. The reason there's so much information available is we as a society really weigh in and help each other with these types of things. And why shouldn't the banking industry be any different? Why shouldn't there be a place you can go similarly that you can in legal ventures as well as in the medical profession? Why shouldn't there be an easier place to go um, to be able to figure out what bank to choose? And I know many people that are looking at their community banks that are financially sound, do have risk managers, uh, and really are very transparent about the ways in which they've taken steps to protect your money. Now, obviously, they still have that $250,000 limit, but sometimes if you really know the people that you bank with and you have that personal relationship, it's like every other facet in life It gives you an opportunity to ensure you're taken care of financially and so are your family. Right, right. And this kind of segues into another topic I'd like to briefly mention. And this is more of a commentary. So uh, the station nor Wendy necessarily support what I'm about to say. Uh, But will the switch, uh, you know, this is related to we're going towards a digital currency. And will that digital currency end our freedom? Now, CBDC, you're going to hear a lot of that, folks. It stands for Central Bank Digital Currency. And it, along with the gene therapy jab, stands as the greatest threat, in my opinion, to freedom on the planet. Digital currency is completely trackable and completely controllable. For example, if digital currency is put into play and you want to, say, buy a gun to go hunting, forget it. They can shut you down because uh, they'll know that you're you're in a gun store and you're trying to buy a gun. And uh, I mean, there's many examples. If you're buying too much gas, you're you're driving your car too much. They can say, "Sorry, uh, you're limited on your ability to uh, buy gas." So they're basically trying to get away with all get away from all paper currency, all coin currency. So everything will be trackable. Now, in November fifteenth, twenty twenty two, that was last year. You know, just a couple of months ago, I guess uh, we're into March now. Uh, the Federal Reserve had a uh, launched a three-month digital dollar uh, experiment, and they used banks such as Citibank, you'll recognize that, MasterCard, PNC Bank, uh, U.S. Bank, and Wells Fargo, among others, to test it out to see if they could go to this completely digital type of currency. And um, But you might imagine that this is not popular with people. You know, you don't want, we don't want to be tracked. Most of us don't want to be tracked to that limited degree, and we don't want to have our funds cut off. So what they're doing, and I'll, I'll wrap this up really fast, is they're getting it through on the state side. So, so they're in, introducing state legislation uh, throughout the United States to basically uh, say that you will recognize digital currency. And they also are making it so that if this goes into place, on a, a federal level, the Bitcoin perhaps and some of these other uh, cryptocurrencies will not be valid, nor will our paper or our coins, our, our paper currency. So this is something to b- really be mindful of. So just keep a sharp eye out and monitor, you know, uh, talk to your legislator if you can to make sure that they do not put in this uh, type of digital currency, which will control all of us. Yeah, you know, um, I know digital currency is always going to be um, a cutting-edge hot topic because a lot of people don't know what it is. You 
can't see it, you can't feel it, you can't hide it in a mattress because yes. it doesn't really exist. Right. Um, but I do think that we're really going to be talking about this um, more and more frequently. And the SVB uh, bank closure, I mean, that really sort of thrusts us back into the limelight is, should we be rethinking um, digital currency? And it sounds like, at least according to you and others, the answer is, uh, yes, we should, but not in tune with uh, jumping on board and going completely digital for all the reasons you mentioned. Right. Well, that's a teaser. We're going to be talking about this again. We want to thank our listeners for joining us. Have a wonderful, safe weekend. Please join us next Saturday night for more of Today with Dr. Wendy, Headlines with a Silver Lining. Have a great week and God bless you. Thank you for joining us for Today with Dr. Wendy. You can learn more about Dr. Wendy and how to become a guest or sponsor of the show by visiting wendypatrickphd.com. That's wendypatrickphd.com. Tune in every week at this same time as Dr. Wendy will engage and inspire you with an upbeat viewpoint on the highlights of the day. This has been Today with Dr. Wendy on The Answer San Diego. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for donald trump to hire i find out the worst enemy that i'm going to face in my life is right here in america they took my assessment and they wanted me to change it i was like i'm not changing it they had to get rid of flynn with in-depth interviews archival footage and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines i just felt like i was drowning flynn deliver the truth whatever the cost available now watch it today go to salemnow.com salemnow.com